up? Welcome to episode 78 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast, where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back here. And if you're new, allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow over on Twitter and Instagram? Reach out to me over on Twitter, tweet at me, DM me, whatever you've got. I'd love to interact with you there. I'd love to bring your topics, questions, concerns uh, as they relate to Overwatch, the Overwatch beta, or Overwatch 2 beta, Overwatch 2, the Overwatch League. Anything you've got for me, bring it to me over on Twitter. And I will bring it to the show. Of course, uh, as we cover everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch on this show, we will talk a little bit about uh, the Overwatch 2 beta, about some uh, Overwatch content creators. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the Overwatch League. And of course, we will cover this past week's games in the Overwatch League and the upcoming games this coming weekend. You can, of course... Find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, and tell your friends about One Man Watchpoint. And of course, if you can't get enough of the sound of my voice, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant in the Overwatch League, where I join Chris and Alex every week to talk Vancouver Titans, Toronto Defiant, and the Overwatch League. Now, this week's show, we console players finally gain access to the Overwatch 2 beta action. So let's get moving and talk about it. You'll feel better soon. All right, our first article here is going to take us on over to Dexerto.com with an article by Philip Trahan, Uh, posted on June 23rd, which talks a little bit about the Overwatch 2 beta and reads, Overwatch 2 announces massive DPS ult charge change ahead of second beta. In preparation for the upcoming second beta period for Overwatch 2, Blizzard Entertainment is changing up Damage Hero's passive role ability in a big way. And the article reads like this. Overwatch 2's next beta test begins on June 28th, and fans are excited to see just how much the game has evolved since the first beta earlier this year. This second beta for Overwatch 2 brings console support, Junker Queen, and a brand new map for players to try out ahead of release. Now, Blizzard Entertainment has also announced some balance changes, including a massive ult charge change coming to damage heroes in the form of their role passive ability. The announcement comes by way of the official Blizzard News blog, which talks about a variety of topics like the various goals the team has for the upcoming second beta. When talking about the game design and balance goals, Blizzard said that the team made several changes that will have a big impact on gameplay. Notably, the team is replacing the damage passive speed boost present uh, in the previous beta in favor of a quote an, of sorry in favor of quote a new passive that allows damage heroes to maintain up to 30% of their ultimate charge when swapping to other damage heroes end quote this is a massive change as it gives damage hero mains much more versatility during a match for example this ability could potentially give the option for a player to use a hero they're more comfortable with before switching to a different hero with a potentially more helpful ultimate in certain situations with less of a penalty The post goes on to say that the team is also focusing attention on support heroes as well, based on feedback from the first beta period. Aside from the overall role changes, individual heroes will also be seeing some changes, like the buffs confirmed for Junkrat during this upcoming beta. Overwatch 2 fans can look forward to trying out the new damage role passive ability next beta period beginning on June 28th for PC, PlayStation, and Xbox owners. 
So as the article points out there, um, the, the benefits of this are pretty obvious. I did actually kind of like the passive uh, being a 30% speed boost, uh, speed increase to damage players. I kind of thought that was a just kind of a neat, um, I don't know, role enhancing ability, kind of similar to how uh, back in the days of Team Fortress 2, the scout actually moved faster than other characters. However, I think this game has come so much farther and developed so much more than than something like that, uh, that I think this change is actually going to be for the better. Um, like the article highlights there, you know, it really incentivizes damage players to not necessarily just stick to one uh, character, which I have always found does seem to kind of be a crux of uh, competitive gameplay. People will lock in on a certain hero, they think it's meta, they think it's the best, and they won't change, um, especially given, you know, the, the sort of natural flow of the game if maybe, you know, you're getting picks or you're doing damage but you're not necessarily building your ult that much. Um, and then you kind of get into that maybe 80 to 90% range where you really want to switch to another character but it's just not worth it because... Your ult charge is almost there. So you keep pushing just a little bit, just trying to get it there um, rather than switching. Whereas now, if you switch off uh, when your ult charge is at, you know, 80, 90%, you retain 30% of that. So you actually aren't starting from zero, which I think kind of makes this uh, a lot better. Um, like I say, it should really incentivize uh, some more dynamic uh, damage players. Uh, really allows them to switch and jump around from hero to hero uh, a lot more freely than they may have previously. So I'm excited to see this in play. Um, as for the speed boost, I mean, it probably won't be noticed all that much. Uh, generally speaking, I mean, you only really notice those kind of things when everyone's lined up in a line and running forwards. Uh, as the, you know, sort of maps are more dynamic and, and more vertical and uh, there's different avenues and everything like that. You just don't really notice a, a speed boost in that sense um, all that much. In a sense of location-based, like grouping up on a Lucio uh, or even being boosted by a Ana's um, Nano Boost or something like that, that you kind of would see that a little bit more because it's more contained, more focused uh, either on an individual or uh, being within range of you know the individual in the case of a Lucio or something like that. So anyways, that's kind of my thoughts on this. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it should encourage a lot more dynamic play uh, on the DPS role. So I'm excited for that. Now, next up, uh, this article is actually from June 24th, another article on Dexerto, this time written by Michael Gwilliam. Uh, now, this one, I'm going to touch on this. I, I don't have too much to share about this just because it kind of came up over the weekend. I believe it broke uh, either on Saturday, maybe Saturday, Sunday. Oh, no, it was just the end of last week. So uh, more like Thursday, Friday kind of thing. Um, but I wanted to cover it nonetheless. So the article reads, Overwatch content creator Jane found safe after going missing. Canadian police have located missing former Overwatch content creator Justin Jane Conroy, confirming he is safe. According to the Airdrie RCMP, Jane was reported missing on June 22nd after leaving his residence in the Cooper's Crossing neighborhood two days earlier. Fortunately, CTV News in Calgary has reported that the police found Jane on June 24th and he is currently safe. As an Overwatch content creator, Jane first broke onto the scene for his educational gameplay and coaching series, where he would help players rank up by evaluating their gameplay. 
Jane's popularity and success eventually landed him a coaching gig for the Overwatch World Cup in 2018, where the country finished in a respectable third place. He would go on to be assistant coach for the Dallas Fuel before transitioning to a content creator for Envy and eventually quitting streaming entirely. News of Jane's safety has reach, uh, sorry, reached Overwatch fans who expressed relief on Reddit that he was safe. As one comment said, quote, that's good to hear. I honestly was fearing the worst. Hope he can get support in whatever he's dealing with and can recover. Many big names with large followings in the gaming and streaming community, also outside of the Overwatch scene, spread the word about Jane's disappearance on social media to aid the goal of finding him safe and well. So I wanted to highlight that one because uh, if you didn't hear the end of that story, obviously you may have been under the impression that Jane was still missing and he has been found. So uh, very glad to see that. A uh, little bit of an interesting tidbit about that one. I had no idea this was the case until uh, this news broke. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, I mean, I currently live in Edmonton, Alberta. But prior to that, I would say two years ago, uh, I lived in Airdrie for many years. And I was, in fact, one neighborhood uh, across from Cooper's Crossing. Um, I had no idea that that was the case until I read this article. Uh, but yeah, I lived very close to where Jane apparently resides. So interesting stuff there. But glad he's safe. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if he needs help or whatever, then uh, certainly we hope that he gets it and we wish him the best. Moving on from there, we're going to head over to .esports.com with an article on June 27th written by Gokhan Kakir and Max Michelli. Now, I probably butchered at least one of those names, uh, hopefully not all of them, and hopefully not half of them. Uh, hopefully not any of them, realistically, but I digress. I apologize if I did. The article reads, when does the Overwatch 2 beta end? So, of course, I wanted to bring up this article because, as we know, the Overwatch 2 beta is live today. This is beta number two, which introduces, as we've mentioned, a host of new features into the beta um, and of course brings in console players so the article reads overwatch 2 is getting ready to finally open its doors to fans all from all over the world blizzard is still looking to iron out the game before its full release making each beta important overwatch 2's beta will become available tomorrow june 28th at 1 p.m ct giving players a chance to try out the game before its full release players will get access to the beta on a rolling basis and you need to opt in or order the Overwatch 2 Watchpoint, and this actually says Waypoint, but it's Watchpoint Pack, to get a chance to play the beta. Access to the beta will include a larger wave of accounts getting in around July 5th, and Blizzard's intention is to give all players who have opted in no later than July 14th. When will the Overwatch 2 beta end? The current Overwatch 2 beta is scheduled to end on July 18th. Players' progress in the beta won't carry over to the official release. The PvP beta is available for PC, Xbox, and PlayStation players. If you've signed up for the beta and still haven't received an invite, know that the invites aren't all going out at once. Well, the beta end date is set for July 18th, Blizzard said it may, quote, it may be, quote, extended based on what our testing needs are at the time. The second round of beta testing follows a round in April and May that debuted a new character and game mode. This round will include a freshly introduced tank character, Junker Queen, and a hybrid map, Rio. So there you go. Wanted to bring this up uh, mostly just to highlight uh, when the beta ends, of course, it goes live today, and it seemingly ends on July 18th, although apparently they've said that they may extend that. I had no idea that was the case until I read this article, uh, but surprise, surprise, hopefully uh, things go well. Hopefully they can extend it, maybe even just a little bit. Um, if we're looking at July 18th, let's see, that will be, that is the second to last Monday of July, so I mean, if they were to extend it, you know, 
a week from there. Uh, that takes us almost to the end of July. And then we've only really got a couple months. We've got August, September, and the game launches on October 4th. So realistically, it could extend out there. Um, if it doesn't, I do expect we'll see a beta 3 probably shortly before the actual release in October. Um, I definitely, if the game launches on October 4th, I could definitely see it being maybe a September 5th kind of uh, beta. Um, maybe they go 5th through 19th. I feel like that kind of gets a little close to October 4th. You know, I don't know if you want to do that. Um, but I could also see them doing just a straight-up open beta, almost as a publicity stunt, a bit of a marketing push uh, to really celebrate. Hey, it's coming. Here you go. You know, everybody get in there while you can. Um, try it out and get ahead of the curve and that kind of thing. Um, but I digress. Uh, we'll see what happens with a beta 3. Now, let's stay with .esports.com, move over to an article on June 27th, written by Jessica Sharnagel, which reads, All streamers participating in the Overwatch cross-Twitch support a streamer event. Now, uh, I didn't actually include it in here, but uh, there is a, an event that the Overwatch team is running called Overwatch Support a Streamer. Um, basically, this runs from June 29th through July 19th. And if you donate three Twitch subs to any of these supported uh, streamers, then you will qualify to receive... Well, you don't just qualify. You do receive uh, a Brigitte skin for Overwatch 2. Now, this article I'll dive into right away here. The Overwatch team has released a new Brigitte skin, and in order to get it, fans will have to gift three subscriptions to a listed partner beginning Wednesday. In order to participate, you'll need to gift those subs those three subs, to one of the Twitch streamers on this list, and then you'll receive a code that you can redeem. The campaign begins June 29th at 1 p.m. CT until July 20th and 1 p at 1 p.m. CT. The article says and 1 p.m. CT. The skin will unlock immediately once the code is redeemed. They've then got the tweet from the at play Overwatch account embedded in the article here, and it reads, Rally to me, gift three subscriptions to your favorite participating at Twitch streamer to unlock Medic Brigitte, legendary, June 29th, through July 19th. Learn more, and then a blizz.ly link. All particip streamers participating in the Overwatch Cross Twitch support a streamer event. So they've got some big names here. I'm not going to read all of them because there is actually quite a few streamers here. <clears throat> um, I'll highlight a few of them, a few names you may be familiar with, a few you potentially may not be familiar with, but uh, we've got Mr. X, of course, uh, Matt Morello from the Overwatch League himself. We've got Jaws, also from the Overwatch League. We've got Lemon Kiwi, also from the Overwatch League. Leg Day, Necra, Achilles, Vicky Kitty. Uh, so a number of people who are, in fact, uh, associated to the uh, Overwatch League, of course. Um, shouting out some other names that I recognize that you may recognize. We've got Ryuji Hong. We've got Giguri. Um, We've got Bro You Whack. We've got, let's see, who else is in here? Um, Dante, of course. Uh, Dante of the Houston Outlaws. We've got Joystick OW. We've got Echo Flex. We've got Kristen Renee. Uh, we've got Avril, of course, of the Overwatch League and uh, um, Tactical Crouch Podcast, of course, as well. Um, we've got J3. Uh, we've got Chipsa. We've got Teo. We've got Fariha. We've got Olive May. We've got Aspen. Um, we've got Asmongold, a whole shrack of people here, Fextra Life, um, Seagull, if you're associated to the uh, with with Overwatch in a big way, there's a good chance you're on here. We've got T-Pain, we've got XQC, Defran, uh, Emong, Kefri, uh, let's see, CarQ, of course, SK, Evil Toaster, Violet, FD God, uh, Oasis, Bus, 
OW Grandma, Custa's on here, Ons is on here, Carpe's on here, Poco's on here, Who Are You, Patapan, Fleta, Funny Astro, Prophet, Architect, Zoe, Danny, Rhineforce, Uber, uh, Jonak, uh, let's see who else we've got on here, and one that I'd like to shout out, Daniel Fenner. Um, now, this, this article does end by saying the full list of participants, including their Twitch links, how to participate, and FAQ can be found on the Blizzard website. But I wanted to bring this up because it does obviously highlight... Um, as you can see, almost, uh, well, it does highlight all of the streamers that are participating in this event. Now, <clears throat> certainly, I'm not the only one who ha uh, sort of saw this announcement and kind of had a little bit of an issue with it. Um, it's an interesting promotion. Like, I don't know that we've ever really seen something like this, where it's literally like, you give money to a person streaming the uh, streaming the game here, the beta, um, that person gets the money, obviously, as does Twitch, which, you know, in effect, as does Amazon, because Amazon owns Twitch. And then on top of that, uh, Blizzard doesn't seemingly actually get anything from this, other than, obviously, the free publicity, the marketing pop that uh, this, this entails, and the fact that these larger streamers will be streaming their game. Um, so it, I can see how it benefits Blizzard and, and Overwatch as a whole, Obviously, it's that uh, that that you know public image. It's the, hey, you're supporting a streamer here. You're not necessarily supporting the game. When realistically, you know, it's all marketing, right? So you are in, in fact supporting the game. But the interesting part here as well is the list of people that they've put out there. Certainly, there are some smaller streamers, and certainly there are some really big streamers. Some some streamers like XQC, um, you know, obviously T Pain, um, some really really big names out there. It's interesting because uh, I have seen that some comments from uh, community managers uh, related to Overwatch and things like that saying like, well, I, I think you overestimate, you know, the public as a whole overestimates how much a lot of uh, streamers make. Um, realistically, you know, they don't actually make a ton off Twitch and things like that. And I kind of think that's, that may be the case, but it's kind of missing the mark if that's your defense of this. I mean, no matter what, you're going to draw some ire from people for this because, yeah, you know, a lot of these people, in fact, the majority of them have a certain level of following. And in fact, that is probably a part of the qualifying criteria. You probably have to have a certain following and a certain, uh, you know, base already established. Obviously, they're not just going to go to Joe Blow, who's streaming Overwatch and say, hey, Joe, uh, we want to partner with you on this, right? They, they need to have a certain level of trust built Um with with uh, the company or the people who uh, they're partnering with. Obviously, though, um, if you go on Twitter, if you go on the internet, if you go on Reddit, there are a lot of people that seem to have been left out from this. Um, the reason I shouted out Daniel Fenner at the end of uh, the list there, he's not actually included on this list because at the time of writing, I don't think he was on it. Um, he's a popular Overwatch streamer that I've been following for many, many years. Um, and he actually was one of the, the partnered uh, streamers that had beta drops in the first beta round. Um, and I guess on this one, he actually tweeted out today that it sucks because, you know, he's been a huge supporter of the game. He's obviously streamed it consistently for the past six years. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's top 500, if not grandmaster. Um, he's very good, a very good support player, very good Ana uh, and, and other characters. Um, but anyways, uh, he tweeted out that it sucks that he was kind of left on the outside of this one, especially when he was 
you know, on the inside on the first beta round um, after all the support he's shown this game. Turns out his community kind of actually rallied together, and I guess they drew enough attention to uh, to him that he did get added on to the, the promotion. So good for him, good for his community. But overall, just kind of a bit of a head-scratcher that this is kind of how they would go about it, especially because of the, um, the ask, uh, asking people to not only drop one sub, but drop three subs just seems a little strange to me. I almost wonder if you would actually benefit more from only requiring one sub um you know it, it just kind of strikes me as a i don't want to say greedy because really it's supporting the streamers and i have no problem with that the problem that i have is is the the strange kind of i don't know it's it's just a bit of a head scratcher if i'm being honest i i think if it was you know throw one sub out there then uh and and get this skin i think a lot more people would go for it because realistically that is you know whatever 5.99 for a skin um whereas like currently it's you know 15 bucks for a single skin so if if you were to donate three subs so gift three subs rather so anyways that's the uh that's kind of the overwatch support a streamer uh i don't know what to call it special event that's going on right now um Take with that what you will. The medic skin that they are uh, providing for Brigitte is actually quite cool. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's actually a uh, kind of taken or a bit of a reference to uh, StarCraft, um, the StarCraft medic. So it is a pretty cool skin, a pretty inspired choice. I like it, um, but I digress. Moving on from there, we're going to stick with .esports.com for our next two articles. This one is written by Liz Richardson and was posted on June 27th. And it reads, Boston Uprising parts ways with General Manager Huck. It's the end of an era for the Boston Uprising as the team makes an unprecedented management change in the middle of the Overwatch League season. The team announced today it would be parting ways with its longtime General Manager and President Huck and would readdress its roster moving forward. Huck has been General Manager and President, for, President of Gaming for the Boston Uprising since the team's inception in late 2017. As a former commentator and professional StarCraft II player, he's been embedded in the esports scene for numerous years. The Uprising, under Huck's direction, has seen dozens of iterations during the Overwatch League's five years of existence. From a monumental win streak in the inaugural season to the team's current losing tear, he's been a part of every one of the team's victories and defeats. Boston has also weathered numerous scandals over the year, but Huck remains steadfast as a part of the Uprising. They've then got the tweet embedded from the Boston Uprising Twitter account, which reads, Organizational Announcement. Now, if I ever heard of a great way to start a Twitter post, it is with a giant image that says in blue on white, Organizational Announcement. Effective today, the Boston Uprising have decided to part ways with President and General Manager Huck, uh, Chris Huck Loringer. Chris has been the face of the Boston Uprising since inception, and we are grateful for his contributions to the team. While this was a difficult decision, the Boston Uprising and Oxygen Esports hold competitive viability as our North Star and believe this change is best for the long-term direction of the organization. We wish Chris all the best in his future endeavors. Moving forward, Assistant General Manager Mineral will operate as interim GM as we look to readdress our roster and build for the future. To our fans, thank you for your continued support. Boston is the city of champions, and we strive to put a product on the field that makes our fans proud. Boston Uprising. So anyways, that's that's the statement. The article continues. 
Quote, competitive viability was cited as the reason for the organization's decision, according to a statement posted to social media. The Boston Uprising currently has a 3-6 season record and is at the bottom of the league's ladder, ranked above West Region teams that have only logged one win thus far. The team's assistant general manager and former coach Mineral will step in as interim general manager. In a statement, the Uprising's management assured fans that they will, quote, readdress its roster and, quote, build for the future, which may not bode well for Boston's current players. Boston's next match is against the Florida Mayhem on July 3rd at 5 p.m. CT. So there you have it. A big, pretty significant change for the Boston Uprising. Has been sort of a name and a face when it comes to the league, uh, the Overwatch League, pretty well since it's, I mean, literally since it began. Um, So a pretty significant change, that's for sure. Um, in a lot of ways, I, I would almost put this on. I would put this on the the level of uh, of the Depay uh, split from the Los Angeles Gladiators, where it's a name, it's a face, it's a uh, public sort of persona um, that has been associated to this organization for a very long time, and kind of seems, you know, in a lot of ways, synonymous with it. Um, I, I would probably put someone like Pre with the Washington Justice up there as well, or Avala with the uh, Paris Eternal. Um, very, very kind of public-facing organizational characters uh, rather than players. Um, So really, really shocking to see this. And honestly, a little bit surprising because Boston has, at least in my experience with the league, which granted, I started following the league after the inaugural season, uh, but I've never seen a successful Boston uprising. I've seen them get wins here and there, um, but they've always been sort of bottom tier. They've always been struggling. Um, you know, they've never had a super stellar roster. Obviously, we saw someone like Stryker coming back to the team this past season. Obviously, that did not work out. Um, turns out, you know, one one player carrying the team on his shoulders doesn't always equal the secret sauce. Um, and it did seem like for a while there, Boston was maybe turning a corner, uh, uh, you know, flipping a page and managing to see some success. I think they did see some success. But overall, I think they are continuing to struggle. Um, and a little bit surprising that this happened when it did. Like, we're in the middle of the, uh, not kickoff clash, the midseason madness tournament cycle. Um, yes, Boston just had a loss over the past weekend. Um, I believe they had a loss anyways. Let's double check that. No, they actually beat the Paris Eternal. I was incorrect there. That's right. They beat Paris this past weekend. So anyways, I digress. Just interesting timing on this one. Um, I do wonder how much of this is the Oxygen Esports side of things. I I believe that was a sort of more recent development, Oxygen Esports kind of taking over management and ownership. Um, I feel like there's, there's more at play here that we're just not privy to. Uh, but regardless interesting to see this one happen um you know hopefully if huck wants to remain in the scene hopefully he can land on his feet and find something with another team or organization which if i'm being real i don't think he i don't think will be would be that much of a stretch it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him join another organization uh if not this season you know in the off season or in the start of next so moving on from there we're going to stick with dotesports.com as i mentioned there another article on june 28th by Liz Richardson, which reads, Overwatch 2 June 28th patch introduces new map, character visuals, and hero tweaks. Nearly a month and a half have passed since the first Overwatch 2 beta test period ended, giving developers ample time to add new content for this next round, which began today, June 28th. An extensive set of patch notes outlines all of the changes players can expect when they get into the game. These include widely discussed additions like the Junker Queen, Overwatch's newest tank, and a new hybrid map, uh, 
Paracio, formerly known as Rio de Janeiro. That said, the patch also includes a lot of previously unknown changes to heroes that could affect gameplay. The full June 28th patch notes are quite a read, but we've honed in on the most important parts to note before you jump into the 5 versus 5 battle today. Now, one thing I'm going to mention here, as I go through these, I'm actually going to touch on these points one by one um, because there is quite a bit here, uh, and I don't want to have to I don't want to read it all, then go back and recap. So I'll kind of, I'll. it's broken out by section by section, so I'll discuss each section after I read it. The first section reads, General changes. Quick play games will now use the competitive rule set, allowing teams to play both sides of a map. Roll queue and open queue are now available in quick play, but otherwise the mode remains mostly the same. The ping system has been updated in various ways and now includes low and critical health indicators, which can be triggered with abilities like Widowmaker's Infrasight. Updated visuals include new icons and animated off-screen pings to draw attention. Players can also now ping the enemy that eliminated them for up to 3 seconds after death. Similarly, the scoreboard system has been overhauled, with a reorganized layout and increased transparency to be less visually intrusive. New statistics like damage mitigated will also be included on the scoreboard. So as far as general changes go, quite a bit to jump into there. Um, quick play now having a competitive rule set is awesome. Uh, I, that's kind of one of the issues as I, as I got more into competitive and uh, especially the Overwatch League, I always kind of hated that uh, quick play does that. You know, you, you have a chance to attack and you either complete the map or you don't. That's your win or your loss. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily matter, um, uh, you know, if one team is actually, in fact, better at attacking than the other or defending than the other, uh, because you won't get the chance to find out, right? Um, so I, I played a little bit of the beta today um, as I purchased the Watchpoint pack, so of course I got guaranteed access. But um, I really did enjoy how uh, I, I played on Watchpoint Gibraltar, and I really enjoyed how I got to do a full attack. Uh, we did a three cap, um, which meant that the game mode then uh, swapped sides. We went on defense. The other team three capped as well, um, and then it actually flipped into overtime, or not overtime, extra rounds, whatever you want to call it, um, where both teams actually, we were pretty evenly matched. I think one team had uh, two minutes, the other team had three minutes. Um, and we got to go again and, you know, push as far as we could to settle the tie kind of thing. So that was really exciting and, and kind of nice to see. Obviously, I saw that uh, Roll queue and Open queue were both available uh, in Quick Play as well, which I didn't know that wasn't in the previous beta, but, um, or if it was, then, you know, they're highlighting it here anyways. Um, so that was, that was fine. Um, good stuff there. The ping system being updated is kind of cool. Um, I didn't, you know, they, they obviously featured it and highlighted it and kind of talked about it going into the previous beta, but I didn't feel like there was uh, that much attention drawn to it. Like once, once it was out in the wild and once kind of people worked with it, you know, even a little bit, um, well, that's interesting. That was that was Siri for everyone who's listening. I'm not too sure why she just decided to scream at me. Um, but anyways, I, I digress. Uh, the ping system. I felt like once it was out there and once they kind of had that big, uh, I forget what they, they, they put out a big um, kind of article detailing all the work going into it and what it was really going to be like and how it worked and things like that. Um, after that, I kind of felt like you didn't really hear much about it. Um, so when I jumped in today, I did kind of play around with it a little bit and just check it out. Um, the one complaint that I kind of have, which is kind of a minor complaint, and I don't think that there's a good solution to it, um, is that it is not as easy to use on console as, say, a game like Apex Legends. Um, Apex, you can see it was really built control-wise with the ping system in mind. If I'm not mistaken, your R1 
uh, defaults to ping. So you can actually just, you know, at any given moment, point at a location and ping. Whereas in in the beta, it's actually been tied to the um, the left directional button, which just is very much not a natural uh, uh, button to to use, um, you know, in the midst of a fight or as a fight's approaching kind of thing. Um, now, obviously, in a game like Apex Legends as well, uh, you do have much more ability um, and sort of width or breadth or, or time in general to use something like a ping system, right? It's a big, wide open map, lots of players, um, but at a distance, you can call someone out, you can point at a location, that kind of thing. Whereas Overwatch is a totally different game style. So it doesn't necessarily need that, uh, that, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I actually almost feel like it needs more of a quicker and easier way to access it in Overwatch because Overwatch is so much more of a quick game. Um, because it's so much more reactionary and you know it is fight after fight after fight after fight whereas a game like apex you can literally just you know skirt the skirt the map or or hide out and kind of wait things out until uh, a lot of enemies get eliminated that kind of thing um so anyways uh using the left directional button on console you can if you hold it you bring up the ping wheel which you can then select which type of ping you are going to use um or you can just tap it and it will ping whatever you're looking at um but again to use that you are typically going to be moving your left thumb off of the uh left uh joystick which is in fact how you move that's how you move your character so it's a very unnatural motion to be, uh, you know, in a fight and then ping something, right? Maybe you see a Reaper in the distance. Maybe there's an Ana that's off, off, you know, uh, in a good position to heal their team. Maybe you catch a glimpse of her and uh, you want to ping her because you want people to focus her down. It's not necessarily a natural movement to do that, especially because you probably want to continue moving your character uh, and ping on the fly as well. So... I think there's some work to be done there, but I also don't know that there's a better solution, really. Um, I would probably argue the up directional button might be better because you could move your uh, index finger, your pointer finger, off of L1 and hit that, do kind of a claw method, um, whereas, whereas the left directional button just seems a little bit further out of reach kind of thing. I could even say down directional, actually, because then you can at least be pushing the joystick in a direction and kind of uh, roll your thumb to hit it. So anyways, I digress. I'm, I'm nitpicking, but that's kind of how I feel about the ping system so far. Um, the visuals on it were cool, though, um, and also the ability to ping after death is also kind of sweet. Um, then they talk about the scoreboard there, which I did notice a little bit. Um, I actually wasn't aware that they hadn't rolled that out in the, uh, in the first beta. Um, so once I got in there and saw it, I was pretty jacked to see that. I didn't get a chance to look at it too, too much just cause I only did play a couple rounds. So I was a little bit more focused on actually playing and feeling out some things and playing with some new characters and things like that. So anyways, exciting stuff there. The next category map changes. Paracio, formerly known as Rio de Janeiro, is the new game's newest hybrid map. Travel through the colorful streets of Rio all the way to Lucio's Club. Control map Busan with night lighting has been added to the Overwatch 2 beta map pool. Junkertown with morning lighting is also now available in the escort pool. Kanazaka and Malavento are available for deathmatch. So that's kind of cool. Um, also cool that they're allowing uh, or they're they're giving you uh, maps for deathmatch modes. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think that might only be in custom game modes. Um, I could be wrong because I think 
quick play will or it may even be the pre-game deathmatch uh, that you get to kind of warm up in or whatever um, I'm not too sure but I know there isn't a strictly dedicated deathmatch mode so Hero changes. Damage heroes have a new passive that replaces the previous movement speed buff. Instead, swapping to a new hero maintains up to 30% of your ultimate charge. This way, players can make adjustments to their composition without sacrificing progress. The support role, the support role passive's time to activate self-healing has been increased from 1 second to 1.5 seconds. Overwatch 2 visual updates have also been added to all heroes. These new looks can be equipped by selecting Classic 2 in the Hero Gallery. Um, just to touch on those... Updates briefly, obviously we talked about the damage uh, passive uh, swap. I didn't realize the support roles passive uh, changed at all, um, although I'm not too sure why that would really have much of a, an effect, just given the fact that, you know, generally speaking, you're just leaving spawn at one and a half seconds, so I don't know why that would matter too much. Um, the visuals have certainly been added, updated, and uh, things have been changed quite a bit there, um, some, some really cool changes. Uh, and visual upgrades there. And then the new looks, of course, the classic one or, or classic and then classic two skins in uh, the hero gallery are a lot of fun. Um, and I did spend some time going through a lot of the heroes and just looking at the, the new skins. So exciting stuff there. Now let's get into specifics about some of these heroes. So first we're going to look at tanks with Reinhardt, armor reduced from 30, uh, sorry, 350 to 300. Health increased from 300 to 325. So interesting there, uh, reducing his armor a little bit, increasing his health a little bit, kind of balances things out, kind of a meet in the middle sort of thing. Um, obviously, you chew through armor before health, so uh, there's less to chew through, but then there's a tiny bit more health to chew through. Winston, barrier... Sorry, bumped something on the ground there. Barrier projector health reduced from 800 to 700. Primal Rage ultimate cost increased 10%. Probably they were finding the um, barrier projector uh, was lasting a little bit too long there with Winston. And also I think one of the big things that we've been seeing in the Overwatch League is when you have that Winston bubble, it is just cannon fodder for Sojourn's uh, railgun to charge her, um, her secondary fire. So that could be another reason they're bringing that down a little bit. Diva mech armor increased from 200 to 300. Mech health decreased from 450 to 350. Kind of a similar change to Reinhardt, um, although a little bit the opposite. You know, armor getting the increase here, health getting the decrease here. Uh, but I digress. Uh, very similar, similar kind of change. Doomfist seismic slam no longer slows enemies. Uh, power block damage reduction reduced from 90% to 80%. Uh, Two interesting changes there, uh, definitely nerfs for Doomfist. The Seismic Slam no longer slowing enemies is interesting because they can still get away at the same speed as, you know, they were at before they got hit by the Seismic Slam. Um, but I know they've talked a lot about removing CC uh, crowd control effects from the game in Overwatch 2, so that's probably what that comes from. And then the Power Block Damage Reduction uh, is an interesting one as well, probably just finding that uh, Doomfist was a little too survivable when he was using that Power Block, even if it is a limited time kind of ability. So Now, Orisa's got a number of changes here. Augmented Fusion Driver Damage increased from 10 to 12. Projectile size no longer scales with distance. Projectile initial size reduced from 0.3 to 0.1. Critical damage bonus increased from 50% to 100%.
damage falloff at maximum range reduced from 70% to 50%, maximum falloff range reduced from 15 to 35 meters to 15 to 25 meters. So a lot of changes to her primary fire there. Um, honestly, they're just playing with the numbers to kind of find a sweet spot where she doesn't do too much damage, but she doesn't do too little damage, which I think is what they have found um, with Orisa right now. Uh, if you watch the Overwatch League, she... I think we've seen her once this uh, this tournament cycle because she really is not very useful. Fortifies 20% movement speed penalty removed, headshot immunity removed. So two interesting changes there. Um, she's uh, not going to slow down by 20% when she uses that fortify, which is interesting. And then headshot immunity removed as well. Um, I think those kind of go hand in hand, right? She continues to move at her regular pace. Therefore, you know, you can still try and go for a headshot on her. Javelin spin cooldown decreased from 10 to 7 seconds. Speed boost reduced from 65% to 40%. Uh, knockback increased. Um, I like the knockback increase, actually. I think you get hit by a big-ass javelin. You expect to go flying a little bit. Um, the speed boost reduced is kind of an interesting one as well. They're probably just finding she's a little too mobile um, when she uses that uh, javelin spin ability. And then, of course, the uh, cooldown increased. Uh, they're obviously trying to let her use it a little bit more frequently, but that also probably plays into the uh, reduction in speed, right? They don't want her to be a complete speed demon running around the map like a maniac. Energy Javelin Impact damage reduced from 80 to 60. That probably goes a little bit hand-in-hand -hand with the knock knockback, um, increasing the knockback, decreasing the damage. Uh, cooldown increased from... 6.5 to 8 seconds again similar kind of thing terra surge max damage increased from 275 to 500 um that's a little bit of an interesting one that's giving her ult a pretty significant buff uh that is i mean just about doubling how much damage it does if you stand there when you get hit by orisa's buff uh sorry ult you're dead like guaranteed i, I mean unless you're a tank hero in which case you're on your knees you're just about dead right and then it also says damage begins to ramp after the old 200 damage timing. So it sounds like you take 200 initial damage kind of thing um, if you're dead center, and then it will uh, increase from there if you just stand there. So moving on from there, we're going to look at support heroes. Mercy, Guardian Angel, can no longer be canceled using Crouch for big vertical boost. Now automatically launches you upwards if you reach the end of Guardian Angel. Angelic Descent will now additionally slow ascent speed if held, not just descent speed. This means you can dampen vertical knockback, such as Junkrat's Concussive Mind, but also reduce the amount of height that the GA vertical boost gives you. So playing with uh, Mercy's movement abilities here in a pretty significant way. So that's interesting. Zenyatta, Orb of Discord's time to fall off target when not in line of sight reduced from 3 to 2 seconds. So they're obviously finding that the uh, Orb of Discord was staying on enemies a little bit too long. Moving on from there, we're going to jump over to the damage heroes, and we're just about done here. We've got a handful of damage hero changes to go over. Bastion, A36 Tactical Grenade, cooldown reduced from 10 to 8 seconds. Um, this one, I played a little bit of Bastion today just to feel out the new kit. Um interesting i have a feeling they're probably just trying to give bastion a little bit more of a leg up um i don't think you typically see that grenade used too frequently at all cassidy combat roll now grants 50 percent damage reduction for its 0.4 second duration so that's a bit of an interesting one not only can cassidy um sort of use his combat roll to dodge shots but he's actually takes less damage while doing it as well in case you do land a hit while he's rolling junkrat Steel Trap fully locks movement again. 
um, which is interesting because this is kind of one of those CC uh, uh, abilities again. Um, I wasn't aware that it didn't fully lock his movement before, but apparently it does now. Projectile speed increased from 10 to 15, uh, so he's firing a lot faster. And frag launcher projectile size increased from 0.2 to 0.25, so his bombs will be slightly larger, um, probably just trying to give him a little bit more playtime or a little bit more viability. Farah. Rocket Launcher Reload starts 0.25 seconds sooner when out of ammo, so she reloads a little bit quicker now if you uh, use all her ammo rather than a manual reload. Concussive Blast now deals 30 damage and deals additional knockback on direct hits. Um, both of those, I like them. Uh, I think that's those are some good changes. Uh, additional knockback if you get a direct hit, yeah, makes sense. Um, and dealing a little bit of damage if you get a direct hit as well also makes sense. Now, Symmetra. Um, I'm going to come back to Symmetra. I'll jump to Torbjorn because Symmetra has a lot of changes. Torbjorn, rivet gun, primary fire, recovery reduced from 0.6 to 0.55 seconds. Rivet gun, secondary fire, recovery reduced from 0.8 to 0.7 seconds. So nothing too exciting there. Um, just increasing his uh, recovery time a little bit. Now, Symmetra, photon projector, primary fire, maximum ammo, increased from 70 to 100, no longer generates ammo when damaging barriers. Um, so this is an interesting one because uh, I actually had no idea that her primary fire generated ammo when damaging bar barriers. I actually kind of like that. Uh, I think that's kind of cool. Um, but they've removed it, so whatever. But they're also giving her more ammo, so that's less uh, less important kind of thing. They were probably honestly finding that most people didn't know that or didn't use it effectively. Photon projector, secondary fire, projectile speed increased from 25 to 50. So this is her uh, secondary fire, that L2 uh, on console, where you um, charge up that little blast. You can now shoot it a lot faster. Max damage reduced from 120 to 90. Um, so that makes sense. If you're going to be able to rapid fire it, uh, then the damage should be a little less. Max charge projectile size reduced from 0.5 to 0.4. So again, it can't be as big now. Ammo cost increased from 7 to 10. Um, this one kind of goes hand in hand with, uh, in my mind, the uh, max ammo increase from 70 to 100. Obviously increasing it, you know, 10% kind of thing. And charge time increased from 1 to 1.2 seconds so just increasing uh even though the um the size is a little bit smaller and it can be fired can be fired more rapidly um the increase in ammo obviously means it takes a little bit longer to build up that charge teleporter build time reduced from two to one second so your teleporter is up a lot quicker now has a maximum lifetime of 10 seconds cooldown increased from 10 to 16 seconds so these two uh, oh, and cooldown starts when teleporter is placed. These two are both very interesting. The max lifetime of 10 seconds. Uh, in the past, you could drop one of these and just use it as an escape route, right? Um, which worked really well because you could give your team an out or in some cases an in into a fight. Um, but now that it's going to disappear, your Symmetra really has to be a lot more active on making sure that if you're using it as a emergency escape route, they have to make sure it's up, right? Um, same with if uh, you're waiting for someone uh, who maybe died and is respawning to come back, you have to kind of be a little more careful with when you place it so that they can actually jump in and get back to your team. Um, cooldown being increased as well, you can't use it as frequently either. So, you know, again, making uh, forcing Symmetra to be a little bit more active. Um, and then health reduced from 300 to 200. 50 health, 150 shields, range reduced from 30 to 22. Now that, that health reduction is about the teleporter itself. 
Um, so it's also got a little bit less range um, and it will uh, go boom a lot quicker. So lots of changes to the teleporter. Sentry turret travel speed increased from 15 to 20. So your turrets throw out there a lot quicker. Movement speed reduction on targets reduced from 20% per turret to 15% per turret. So this one, uh, not super significant if you think about it with uh, one turret. Um, you know, it's only a pardon me, 5% uh, reduction. Um, but that said, of course, again, this comes back to the CC changes. They want less CC in the game, uh, so it's reducing you a little bit. Um, it's reducing your speed a little bit less than it was previously. But where it would have been 20, 40, 60%, if you have a three stack, um, it's now 15, 30, 45. So that is pretty significant. You're going from 60% reduction to 45%. Now, I do think, generally speaking, when you're getting hit by all three, unless you're a tank, you get melted pretty quickly. If you're getting hit by all three um, and it's 45%, you're still getting pretty melted, but I think most uh, low health characters will be able to escape that pretty quickly now. So... Anyways, there you have it. That is a kind of a quick, kind of quick, I guess, overview of uh, a lot of these changes that are coming to Overwatch 2. Um, uh, sorry, the Overwatch 2 beta, I should say, uh, with the latest patch. Um, a lot of interesting stuff there. There was a lot to dig into there. Um, I apologize. We're, we're almost at 50 minutes here. We haven't even barely touched the Overwatch League. Uh, but that's what the beta is going to look like. Um, if you're in there, congratulations. If you bought the Watchpoint pack to get in there, congratulations. I know I did. Uh, this is my this is my entry price into the game. I'm more than happy to spend sixty bucks on the game. Given you know I spent sixty bucks on Overwatch One and played it for six years, I'm very happy to spend sixty bucks on Overwatch Two and uh, get in there. And hopefully, I'll have another uh, you know at least six years here. Um, this also gives me access to three battle passes. Um, because you get uh, the 2000 Overwatch uh, credits for the new game, uh, plus you get the first battle pass included in the price. So in my mind, the value is there, and I'm more than happy to uh, support the team because I do believe in this product. Now, all of that said, I think it's about time we got to some Overwatch League action, so let's take a quick break, and then we'll head on over to the Overwatch League. It really makes you think. All right. So this past weekend, we got to see week two of the mid-season madness qualifiers. So let's take a quick look here at what happened over the past weekend. So if we jump on over to the schedule, of course, things kicked off on... Waits for the schedule to load. Pause for effect. There we go. Friday, June 24th, with the Philadelphia Fusion taking on the Los Angeles Valiant. And the Valiant coming out on top with a 3-2 win. Big win for the Valiant. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that was uh, their second win of the season. Uh, now, the Valiant wound up having a very good uh, weekend. But congratulations to the Valiant. And obviously, a little bit disappointing for the Philly fans there. who uh, Philly looking like they might have been one of the stronger teams, but... Maybe not in this meta. So I digress. Valiant taking the win 3-2. Soul Dynasty then came out with another 3-2 win over the Chengdu Hunters. And then we moved on to the Western region for Friday's games, still on June 24th, with the London Spitfire taking a 3-0 win over the New York Excelsior. 
the Florida Mayhem taking a 3-0 loss against the Dallas Fuel. So Dallas winning that one 3-0. And then our final game on Friday, June 24th, saw the Atlanta Reign beating the Vancouver Titans in a 3-1 fashion. Moving on from there, Saturday, June 25th, the Hangzhou Spark took out the Guangzhou Charge 3-0. And then, still on June 25th, the Seoul Dynasty managed to 3-0 the Shanghai Dragons. So great job, Seoul. Seoul looking like a force to be reckoned with this past weekend. Moving on from there, the Chengdu Hunters getting a 3-1 win over Philly. And Philly coming up big losers this past weekend um, with, with a couple shocking losses. Um, good for the Chengdu Hunters for getting a win there. Um, obviously, they, they had a hard-fought battle against the Seoul Dynasty uh, on Friday there. So good for them. Moving on from there, we move over to the West with our first match uh, in the West on Saturday, June 25th, seeing the Toronto Defiant getting a 3-1 win over the Washington Justice. I was very glad to see that. Um, I had predicted it would be a 3-2 win for the Toronto Defiant, but ultimately I did think that uh, Toronto was going to beat the Washington Justice, and I'm very thankful that they did. If they had not, I would have been very concerned for Toronto, um, although I am, I still have my concerns, but I digress. Moving on from there, still on Saturday, June 25th, the San Francisco Shock beat the Atlanta Reign in a 3-1 fashion. And then our final game on June 25th saw the Dallas Field take the Vancouver Titans uh, 3-0. Now, this match was a really good match. Uh, the Vancouver Titans honestly looked really good in it, looked better than they have in a lot of matches before. And I think as far as 3-0s go, uh, this had the potential to definitely be more of a 3-2. Um, obviously, Vancouver did not manage to clutch out any wins uh, made some, made a few silly mistakes, a few, you know, C9s and that kind of thing. Uh, but ultimately, um, it was a hard fought battle for the Vancouver Titans. Moving on from there, our final day of the weekend on Sunday, June 26th, we saw the Los Angeles Valiant come out with their second win of the weekend, third win overall on the season against the Guangzhou Charge, 3 1. The Hangzhou Spark then beat out the Dragons, 3 0. The Shanghai Dragons two three nothing losses this past weekend big slip-ups for the shanghai dragons moving on from there the san francisco shock beat the florida mayhem 3-1 the los angeles gladiators beat the houston outlaws 3-0 in this match holy cow if the vancouver titans match uh was a c9 match holy cow this one was as well um, a lot of c9s this weekend the houston outlaws struggling to keep someone on the cart there and our final match of the weekend saw the Boston Uprising taking a 3-0 win over the Paris Eternal. Uh, a, a win that I was not happy with. I wanted uh, Paris to win, keep their winning streak alive. Um, but unfortunately, Boston taking the dub. So there you have it. That was our past weekend in Overwatch League action. Now, that means, of course, that we are moving into week three of the Midseason Madness Tournament. That means after this week, we have one more week, and then we are into the Midseason Madness Tournament, which should be a good one. So, our Eastern Region games kick off this weekend on Friday, July 1st. That's Canada Day for those of us up here in Canada. The Philadelphia Fusion are taking on the Hangzhou Spark at 4 a.m. Mountain Time. Now, let's take a peek. Um... How do I think this match is going to go? What are we looking at? Philadelphia Fusion against the Hangzhou Spark. I think Hangzhou is going to take it. Um, Philly, obviously, as I mentioned, they're really struggling this past weekend. So I do not have much faith in them right now. Um, and if I look at the season or the uh, this past weekend here, how did the Hangzhou Spark do? They 3-0'd Guangzhou 
and they 3-0'd the Dragons, I'm giving it to them in a 3-0 fashion here. That's going to be my bet for that one. The Guangzhou Charge then take on the Chengdu Hunters. Um, Guangzhou, again, having a rough weekend, losing to Hangzhou, losing to Valiant. Meanwhile, Chengdu getting that one win, as I mentioned there, and having a hard-fought battle against the Seoul Dynasty. I'll give it to Chengdu 3-0. I think that could be a double 3-0 for the uh, Eastern region. Then, still on Friday, July 1st, that's Canada Day, we move on to the London Spitfire taking on the Paris Eternal, where I think London's going to take it 3-0. We then have the Atlanta Rain taking on the Houston Outlaws, and although Atlanta had a little bit of a shaky weekend, you know, a little bit of an okay weekend, um... Oh, wow. I'm actually shocked to see Atlanta below Houston in the standings. Right now, Atlanta sits 6-4, and four, and Houston sits 6-3. and three. Um, That's interesting. Obviously, there's one game difference there. Um, I do think that Atlanta's the better team. I think they'll take the win. I'm going to give Houston one map. I think Houston really struggled this past weekend. So um, maybe they turn things around, but I'm giving it to Atlanta 3-1. Then our final match of the day on Friday sees the Gladiators take on the Toronto Defiant. Um, I do think the Gladiators take this match. There's a good chance this is a 3-0, but I'm going to give the Toronto Defiant a pity point there and call it a 3-1 win for the Glads. Moving on to Saturday, July 2nd, we see the Seoul Dynasty take on the Guangzhou Charge, and I'm going to call that another 3-0 for the Seoul Dynasty. Then the Los Angeles Valiant take on the Chengdu Hunters. Currently, the Los Angeles Valiant sitting in 5th in the East, three and five the Chengdu Hunters sitting in sixth with three and five um let's see what their past weekends looked like the Valiant got a win over Philly and then a win over Guangzhou and the Seoul Dynasty uh sorry the Chengdu Hunters lost to Seoul and then won over Philly I can't believe I'm going to do this but I think I'm going to give it to the Valiant and I'm going to give it to them 3-2 I think this could be a good match this could be a match to watch let's let's go with that Next up, we have the Philadelphia Fusion taking on the Shanghai Dragons. So Philly losing to LA, Philly losing to Chengdu, Seoul losing to Seoul, I mean, Shanghai losing to Seoul, Shanghai losing to Hangzhou. Yikes. This is quite the match. Uh, now, we did just record Ready, Set, Pwn just before I'm recording One Man Watchpoint here, and I said I was done picking Shanghai. Um, unfortunately... I think I have to press Shanghai here. <laughs> I think uh, Philadelphia seems to be doing worse than Shanghai, even if Shanghai does not seem to be doing great. I'm going to give this a 3-2 for Shanghai. I think this could be another close one. Uh, we then see the Seoul Dynasty take on the Hangzhou Spark. Um, now, this one, again, I actually, this could be a... Oh, shoot, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, let me stick to Saturday here. So Saturday, uh, 7 a.m., uh, we're going to see Philly take on the Shanghai Dragons, and I'm giving it to Shanghai 3-2. Ignore what I said about Seoul and Hangzhou. I'll get there. Moving on to the West, Saturday, July 2nd, we see the San Francisco Shock. They're going to get a 3-1 win over the Vancouver Titans. That's how I feel about that. Then the Los Angeles Gladiators are going to take on the Washington Justice and get a 3-0 win over them. Then the Toronto Defiant are going to take on the Paris Eternal, and I'm going to give it to Toronto 3-0. to That's right, I'm calling it a 3-0 for Toronto. Now let's move back to the East for Sunday's game. This is Sunday, July 3rd. At 4 a.m. Mountain Time, we see the Seoul Dynasty take on the Hangzhou Spark. And here, I'm giving it to Seoul 3-2. I think this one could be a really exciting match. These are our two top teams in the East, assuming Shanghai uh, doesn't manage to do anything amazing against Philly. 
even if they get a win, they're still only in third. They're not gonna not gonna pass Hangzhou or Seoul. So, anyways, I'll give this one to the Seoul Dynasty. Then, at 5:30 a.m. on Sunday, July 3rd, the Shanghai Dragons take on the Los Angeles Valiant. Oh boy, I don't want to do it. <clears throat> Am I gonna give Valiant two wins this weekend? You know what? Honestly. Man, it's hard to shake the faith. I don't want to pred the Valiant, and I do want to predict the Shanghai Dragons come out with a win, even though I said I was done predicting Shanghai. Um, personally, I just I wonder if it's a bit of a flash in the pan, the Valiant's uh, record this past weekend. It was a 3-2 win over Philly, so I mean, kind of could have gone either way. It was a 3-1 win over Guangzhou. Um, do I think Valiant has it in them to continue their winning streak? I mean, I have them winning against Chengdu. Um, yeah. This is, this is a tough one. This is a tough one to decide. I'm going to give it to the Valiant. I'm going to say it's a 3-2. Which is interesting, because that means I have the entire Eastern region 0-3 matches or 3-2 matches. So, anyways, interesting stuff there. Um, that's that's my picks for 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 the eastern region. Let's move on down to Sunday, July third in the West. Our final three games of the weekend. We see the London Spitfire taking on the Washington Justice. I'm giving it to London three one, which means London comes out with two wins on this uh, this weekend, which bumps them potentially into the top five, um, depending on what happens with you know the other teams in the West. But overall, London looking looking hot in this meta. That's for sure. And then our final match, oh, sorry, nope. And then our second <laughs> to final match of the weekend sees the Dallas Field taking on the London, uh, the New York Excelsior. I'm going to give this one to, that's tough. Dallas 3-0'd Florida, Dallas 3-0'd Vancouver. Not really too surprising there. Um, I think if they can 3-0 both of those teams, uh, especially Florida, then I think they can 3-0 the, the New York Excelsior. So I'm giving it to the, the Dallas Field 3-0. Our final match of the weekend on July 3rd, Sunday, July 3rd, Western Region. We see the Florida Mayhem taking on the Boston Uprising. I'm giving this one to Florida. Um, I think Boston's really kind of been struggling lately, even though they did get that win over Paris. Um, I'm going to give it to Florida. Three. Do I want to do 3-1? Do I want to do 3-0? That's tough. That's tough. I'm going to give it to Florida. 3-0. There is a rumor that Florida has signed a new player, uh, a new Canadian player, in fact. His name is Seeker, I believe. Um, that's literally all I know about him, but uh, that's the rumor. I'm, I'm still giving it to Florida, 3-0. That's it for me. And I'm locking in those predictions. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, this past weekend, I did manage 26 points uh, on the... On pardon me, on the, 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 what are these called? Pickums, the leaderboards there. Um, I'm not doing hot because I missed out on my, well, I'm not doing hot in the overall picks just because I missed on my, on my silly, silly crystal ball picks from the first round. Now, looking at things though, I am pleased to announce that on the Ready, Set, Pwn leaderboard, which you can join by code Ready, Set, Pwn, uh, I am in fact in third place right now with 52 points. Uh, Omnistrife sitting down below me. Uh, Omnistrife, of course, being Alex from the Ready Set Poem podcast, one of our co-hosts, uh, sitting with 41 points. And, of course, Light Force sitting down in eighth place with 17 points. So there you have it. That's what things look like over there. 
Um, and that's what things look like in our pickums. Now, that's going to be it for the show, so let's head on over to the outro. Aw, thanks, everyone. Well, there you have it. That was episode 78 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to me, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. Blab on for a little over an hour there about Overwatch, Overwatch 2, the Overwatch beta, and of course the Overwatch League. If you liked what you heard, please give me a follow over on Twitter at Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. Reach out to me over there, tweet at me, uh, DM me, whatever you've got, interact with me. I'd love to bring your questions, comments, concerns, topics uh, for discussion to the show as they relate to Overwatch, the Overwatch beta. Um, Overwatch 2, of course, uh, the Overwatch League, or just video games in general. I am a big fan of over, uh, sorry, Overwatch, yes, but of video games in general. I'm currently uh, working on playing through Elden Ring, uh, but at the same time, obviously, I'm going to be a little bit distracted right now with, of course, the Overwatch 2 beta, um, given I did get the watch point pack. So uh, head on over to my Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash sirdrjm that's twitch.tv slash sirdrjm same as my twitter handle um, where you can watch me playing Elden Ring and of course the Overwatch 2 beta you can of course find this podcast on podcast services across the world so go ahead and do that and while you're at it um, give us a like, follow, review uh, on Ready, Set, Pwn as well your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant once again, thanks very much for listening to episode 78 of One Man Watchpoint, and finally, we'll catch you cats on the flip-flop next week. See ya!